Welcome to Launch Into Teaching with me, Julia Padgett. The second season of Launch Into Teaching is dedicated to what you need to consider when starting at a new school. I'll be speaking with new and early career teachers about their experiences of starting out and the lessons they learnt along the way. Plus, I'll share some thoughts on the little bumps in the road that might pop up during those first few terms and explain how you can overcome them. In today's episode, I'm going to elaborate a little bit more on those bumps in the road that I alluded to in my introduction. The reason why I've referred to these as bumps in the road is because these are things that will present themselves in the first year of you being at a new school, whether you're a beginning or an early career teacher, whether you're working in a primary or a secondary setting. The most important thing about being a really great teacher is that you're organised, that you're aware of things that are coming up and that you have a knowledge base to be able to go and have an informed discussion with your colleagues when one of these speed bumps comes up. The first speed bump that I want to discuss is assessment. Assessment in itself isn't a problem. You will have done a lot of that on teaching rounds. You may have already taught for a year or two, so you have an awareness of what it means to assess students. The particular speed bump I'm referring to with assessment, though, is time. Let me explain how this little bump in the road might play out. Let's imagine you're sitting in a planning meeting. You're sitting with your colleagues. You're looking at the next unit of work and it's already been prepared. Great. That's a bonus. And you're staring at the unit planner and it's going to be a sequence of 10 lessons. And the last lesson is going to be the summative assessment task. The only thing left to do now is to decide on a date. So the unit's going to start on Monday and the due date for that summative assessment task, based on it taking 10 lessons and looking at your timetable and the amount of times you'll see that class, it's been decided that the due date will be in four weeks time. That's perfect. So easy. You've got the date that you're starting. You've got the date that you're ending. You've got all the information in the unit planner. Great. Off you go. Here comes the little bump in the road. When you go back and you start looking at exactly how you're going to break down those 10 lessons, you suddenly realize that one of the double lessons you have with that class is on a sports day. So you're going to not see them on that day. Then you look ahead to the next week and you realize you're already booked in to do some professional development. So you're not there for that lesson. Then you look ahead to the next week and you realize it's a public holiday and you're going to miss another substantial amount of time with that class. And the next time you're looking at the calendar, you can also see that someone has booked an incursion. Now, I know my example is a little bit over the top. Hopefully you're not going to be faced with a scenario where you get that many interruptions. But the reality is that it could happen. And it's really important that when you start talking with colleagues about assessment and deadlines and due dates is that you actually stop and look through a calendar to understand what are some of the things that are coming up in that four week period for the whole school and maybe start to think about are these going to impact the ability for not just me but for everyone in that teaching team to be able to complete the 10 lessons and then be able to complete the summative assessment task. In the show notes, I'm going to put a link to the month by month planner that I use. The reason I like using a month 
by month planners because you can see things for a four week block at a time or whatever period of time you're looking at. In this, I will only ever record the big whole school um, or year level specific interruptions that I know I'm likely to have. So this could be sporting days, it could be camps, it could be curriculum days, it could be days that I know um, we've got, you know, incursions at the school. By having them there at a snapshot, and, and you will find that sometimes there are just a run of things happening at a school, at least then when you're in those planning meetings, you can pull out your month by month planner and go, actually, look, you know what, we've all got a public holiday coming up, we've all got a sports day, and then the final week, there's going to be students off on a camp. It will just enable you to have those conversations with your colleagues much earlier so that if you need to make changes, you're doing it at the start. The changes that you may be able to make by catching this before you even start teaching it are numerous. The first one that comes to mind is about content. So if you just genuinely cannot get through 10 lessons of content, then it may be collectively as a team that you have to make a decision to either modify content and reduce it, or it might be that you actually have to drop something altogether. It also will have a direct effect on the assessment. So again, if you're assuming that everyone in an ideal world has 10 lessons and they've been completed, the assessment should then reflect the content of those 10 lessons. You can see how it can become really problematic and quite unfair for students if one class has got through 10 lessons and the other class has only managed to get through six lessons but yet they're still being assessed on the same amount of content as if they'd done all 10 lessons so there becomes a real discrepancy in not only the learning of the content but also in the way they're being assessed those marks for that assessment may actually be contributing to something more important such as the overall mark for that subject for a, a for a semester report, for example, or it could be going towards um, an accumulative score that's being used um, for awarding academic excellence awards at the end of the year. So in isolation, doesn't seem like a big thing, but it can have flow on effects, which are important that you're aware of. To summarize my first speed bump, assessment and timings. My key, my key points to take away from this is know how long you have to complete the assessment and the sequence of lessons leading up to it, check your month-by-month -month calendar, understand what potential interruptions you may have during that time that could prevent you from getting through the content to the same level as your colleagues, have those conversations really early on, and then everyone is aware of the team's limitations and changes can be made both to the content and potentially to the assessment so that it's a really even playing field for the students when they come to learn and also be assessed. The next little bump in the road I want to discuss is reports. It follows on quite nicely from the previous little bump regarding assessment. Every school I've been to has a different way of reporting and I don't know why that is. It's just how it goes because individual schools like to customize and tailor the sorts of information they provide to parents in different ways. Reports are usually published at the end of term two and at the end of term four. So what I recommend you do a term out, so end of term one or end of term three is go and sit with a mentor or a teaching colleague and really understand what the specific requirements of report writing look like at the school that you're teaching at. When you're chatting with your teaching buddy, your colleague, your mentor, 
understand what the timelines are for each of the components of the report. So, for example, if you're expected to write a general comment, there's a possibility that that might be due in advance of all the other assessments for that report because they've got to be proofread they might have to be proofread by two different people might be a teaching colleague and then it might go to someone in a leadership role so that might be a bigger lead time to have them ready by when it comes to um, having all of your assessments completed so that you can enter marks for the report it might be that it's two weeks before they're due to be published and again that links back to what I was talking about with the timing of assessments so often at that stage of um, the term you might be working quite hard to get through content and assessments so that you can mark it and it can go on a report. So again, don't leave yourself short. Know what your timings look like and make sure you're giving yourself enough time to be able to do this without putting yourself under pressure. And I think the really um, challenging one is if you're being asked on a report to comment on a student's disposition, so it might be, are they organized? Are they punctual? Um, you know, Are they developing a growth mindset? These are highly subjective. So what I recommend as well is if you know that these are the um, particular criteria you're going to be making a judgment against is start using your time in the classes leading up to that period to actually start making some um, anecdotal notes and observations about when the students in your class are displaying those attributes. When you're a beginning and early career teacher, something I would also be asking in regards to report is whether or not there's a style guide to how you write general comments or subject comments. The reason I say this is because there is no point you spending a huge amount of your time writing reports to find out that the way that you're writing them, the tone, um, it could just even be the way that you've structured it is not in line with how the school expects the reports to be written. So if your school doesn't have a style guide, that's okay. Go and access reports from the previous year. So you can just get a bit of a sense and read a fairly diverse range of, of reports is just get a sense of what has been acceptable and obviously has been published previously so that you get a bit of an understanding of um, what is permitted in terms of how you structure a written comment. In summary, this little bump in the road being school reports, I think is one that you can almost eliminate the bump in the road for if you're organized and you plan a term out. So key things to consider, what are the timelines? What is the style guide or what am I expected to actually produce in terms of the written comments? know what the reporting structure is for subjects and gathering evidence of course for those district for those attributes is also really important the next little bump in the road i want to discuss links back to the month by month planner that i spoke about in assessment when you look at all these events that are coming up in your calendar and schools are exceptionally busy places it's really important that you understand what your role is going to be at each of these events. I'm going to highlight the more common ones that will appear on most school calendars and school events that will run. And I mention these because I feel that these are the ones that can cause the most concern for beginning and early career teachers. The first one I want to talk about is parent-teacher interviews. Now, parent-teacher interviews often have different focuses depending on what time of the year they're taking place. So if you're starting at the beginning of a school year, you may have parent-teacher interviews in term one. 
it's important to understand what the purpose of these are. Sometimes these interviews can be called things such as you tell us interviews. So the purpose of these parent-teacher interviews might be you're going to meet with the parents, they're going to tell you a little bit about their child. If, however, the focus of those first interviews in term one are that you're going to be sharing information with the parents about things that you're noticing their child doing in class, that suddenly becomes a very different amount of preparation for you to complete before you meet with the parents. Another event where you're often called upon to support the day is a sporting day. So it could be an athletics day, could be a swimming day, could be a cross-country event. It's important that you understand the different roles that do need to occur on that day for that particular event to take place. It may be that you're just going to be supervising students in a passive area where they're sitting and relaxing, having something to eat and drink. It might be that you're expected to run, say, a field event. If you're at an athletics day, it might be that you're required to marshal students. Whatever it is that you're being asked to do, it's always a good idea, if it's the first time you've done it, is to maybe just go and have a quick chat with the head of PE or head of sport and just understand what the role is that you're likely to be doing. That way, if it is something that you might need to brush up on, like if you're monitoring a field event and you haven't played discus since you were at high school, um, you're aware of some of the things that you need to be um, aware of when you're running that particular event, especially if there are such as discus, like a safety uh, implication as well that you might need to be aware of. The last type of event I'm going to mention are things that may happen outside of school hours, such as a school production, could be a celebration night, um, an information evening. Again, just understand, you know, really clearly what time you need to be back at school, what your part is of the evening. Um, If you have to prepare something, especially for an information evening, if someone can give you a template of the sorts of things that have been covered previously, just having that awareness. And again, I think the key factor that keeps coming up in all of these little bumps in the road that I'm mentioning is just time and it's being aware of the timing of each of these events and knowing how to be organized in advance of them so you're not again feeling that you're reacting at the last minute. The last bump in the road I want to talk about is probably one that isn't spoken about I think enough for beginning and early career teachers and that is how to build and develop really good relationships with your teaching colleagues. This may be for some beginning and early career teachers, the first time you've worked in what I would call a professional workplace environment. And that's a very different environment to if you've been working perhaps in a casual or a part-time job at university. There's a very different layer of expectations about how you conduct yourself in a workplace. I could fill an entire episode about professional conduct and I might do that in future seasons because I do think professional conduct is something that is really important to discuss not only from a collegial perspective but also from a personal professional responsibility and I don't think again that is something that's discussed enough with beginning and early career teachers but for the purposes of this episode I want to focus on the little bumps in the road that you might face with colleagues when you're starting out. The most important thing that I think will prevent bumps in the road with teaching colleagues is starting your relationship with them, knowing that it's going to take time to develop, that building genuine relationships with your colleagues is something that is a process and it isn't something that can be rushed. 
I've been so fortunate in my career to have worked with colleagues and they've become lifelong friends, people that I keep in touch with um, throughout the year, people that I can contact and ask for advice about a whole range of things and I know they'll be there to support me um, even though we may not be working together anymore. And what I would say is those relationships that I have didn't happen in the first term of being at that school. They they built over time. They built and were and we bonded over shared experiences at school, whether that was teaching in the same year level, going on school camps, putting our hands up for doing extra activities. Um, you may even be fortunate that the school you're at has a, a social committee and there's activities that the school will run outside of school which I think is a fantastic way to get to know your colleagues if they've got a Friday night um, activities you might go to the local lawn bowls um, any range of different social activities I really recommend you get involved but I really really want you to just remember that developing these relationships will take time and the last key ingredient I think for overcoming little speed bumps with your colleagues, especially as a beginning and early career teacher is listen. That doesn't mean you can't speak. That doesn't mean you just have to sit there and nod to everything that's being said. But when you start out in your career, there is so much valuable information and years of experience that your colleagues can offer. And if you are able to stop and just really take in what they're talking about, it can be the best form of professional development that you can possibly have. Don't feel intimidated by all the information and knowledge they have. I think the best thing I can, again, suggest that you do with building those relationships with your colleagues is ask for their advice. Um, identify as you would do in students what are the strengths of your colleagues if you've got a colleague who has a really strong content knowledge in a particular area is ask them if they're free one lunchtime and go for a walk with them and ask them to explain how they talk about a particular concept in class to conclude my last little bump in the road about developing relationships with your teaching colleagues is Remember that things take time. Don't force things. Don't rush them. Just allow things to naturally occur. Be a great listener. Ask for help when you need it, especially from those people that you know have got really good specialist knowledge in a particular area. And I think if you can master those things in your first year or two of teaching, I think you'll find you'll gain so much support from your colleagues Um, It will be a really great atmosphere to work in and you'll gain so much knowledge from your time in their presence. Thank you for joining me for today's episode. I hope you've enjoyed the discussion about the little bumps in the road that will inevitably come up in the first year of being at a new school, especially for our beginning and early career teachers. Remember that there are things you can do to smooth the bump a little bit doesn't have to be quite so abrupt knowledge is power so hopefully today's episode has given you an awareness of some of the things that once they start getting discussed you might be like yep I've got an awareness of that I remember listening to the podcast and now I know the things I need to look out for 
If you found this episode helpful, make sure you hit subscribe at Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts so you're the first to know when all my other episodes drop. The show notes can be found on my website, launchintoteaching.com.au. There you'll also find a link to my socials. I'd love to hear from you, connect, and if there's anything else that you'd like me to cover, do let me know.